Brought to you by Business Fights Poverty. Hello and welcome to Business Fights Poverty Spotlight Interviews. I am Katie Heisen, Director of Thought Leadership. Each week, these interviews provide you with the insights from a different perspective of Business Fight Poverty Network, giving you first-hand understanding of how businesses and others are working on some of the world's biggest social challenges. Today, I am joined by Shabnam Hamid, all the way from Australia. She's the global lead of workplace responses to gender-based violence for the International Finance Corporation, the IFC, which is part of the World Bank Group. Gender-based violence, or GBV as you will hear it referred to during this podcast, is something, according to the UN, is estimated to affect 736 million women, which is almost one in three who report to be, have or have been subjected to intimate partner violence or non-partner violence, or both, at least once in their lifetime. Shabnam is an employment specialist with 20 years of experience spanning the public, private and non-profit sectors. She leads the IFC's Respectful Workplaces Programme, which seeks to enhance business value by addressing gender-based violence and harassment. The programme supports the private sector in emerging markets to create safe and resilient workplaces. And Shabnam today joins me to talk about her latest research and work that she's been undertaking. So Shabnam, welcome. Thanks, Katie. It's a pleasure to be here. It's good to have you. Shabnam, you've dedicated much of your past decade to addressing gender-based violence in work settings. These are really tough issues. What's led you to this? The first time I heard about it, it just made perfect sense to me. It was back in about 2007, 2008. At the time, I was working as a trade union official. Uh, I ran into someone from the Australian Domestic and Family Violence Clearinghouse, and they said they were trying to get up workplace entitlements for employees that were affected by violence. I heard about it, and I thought, of course, that makes sense. Often, When people are affected by violence, the workplace is the only safe place for them to be, the only place that the perpetrator doesn't follow them into. And so having information, having referral, having support makes perfect sense uh, in a workplace setting in terms of being able to help the employee. The other reason why it makes perfect sense um, is because financial dependence is a key barrier to leaving violence and financial independence is the pathway out of violence. So if people want to leave violence, they really need to maintain employment. And from the business's point of view, why would you want to lose your talented staff? Businesses support employees for other reasons. You know, people get sick and that doesn't mean that you push someone out. Uh, You give them sick leave, you refer them or they access medical services. When they come back, you might make some reasonable adjustment for them but you hang on to those staff. And in the same way with gender-based violence, just because it's occurring doesn't doesn't mean that the person can no longer work. From a business's point of view, providing that um, bit of support when it's needed could mean uh, the difference between keeping someone that's a great team player, an asset to the business, or losing that person. Shabnam, you've been leading work to understand the impacts of taking action to address gender-based violence in the workplace. I happen to know this is sort of some of the really kind of emerging work. It's not been done elsewhere or that we know of particularly. 
Can you share a little more on this? We just recently conducted some research, which we believe is the first of its kind. There's been some research done in the past, uh, including by us, about the costs of gender-based violence to businesses. But there's very little research until now around the benefits of addressing gender-based violence as a workplace issue. So what we've really honed in on in this research piece is what's working. What are the things that need to be in place for there to be a benefit for our businesses and for the employees? Shabnam, what's the research finding? It's really exciting. The key research finding is that in businesses that have a more gender equal workforce, so where they employ 40 to 60% women and where they provide support for gender-based violence, that there are really positive outcomes and even more positive outcomes than at those businesses that aren't so gender equal. And those outcomes are that people are less accepting of violence. So we ran a survey with um, over 1,400 employees at three businesses. And in that survey, at the companies that were more gender equal, uh, they were saying they're less accepting of violence. They're reporting more violence. But despite that, the cost of businesses is lower. What these individuals are telling us is uh, the amount of work that they're missing, that uh, their productivity isn't as affected as in businesses that aren't as gender equal. But what these uh, survey respondents also told us was that the supports that they're getting, they're finding very helpful. So it's a real win-win for businesses and for the employees. I, I think it's um, fabulous data to have. We ran this, this research in Papua New Guinea with three businesses, and one of them have already come back to us and said, this is really helpful. We know we're on the right track. And they've used the research to um, speak with senior management and secure more resourcing to be able to do more on this issue. So they're in the process of appointing a dedicated staff member to lead their responses. In PNG, they call it family and sexual violence. And the other recommendation that really resonated with them was about engaging um, perpetrators and potential perpetrators in the workplace. So they're looking to partner with people to get more information, counselling, peer support groups, uh, et cetera, to address perpetration. The other thing they said to us was that it's very clear from the research that gender equality is important and they're thinking more broadly about how they can advocate for more gender equality, both within their business, but also in the wider community in Papua New Guinea. So, yeah, it really is very exciting research. Well, it is indeed. And do you think in your mind, I mean, I suspect you might be a little bit critical of yourself at this point. Do you see this as conclusive or is there still more work to be done? And, and if so, where do you see those avenues of expansion? Look, it's definitely just a beginning. This research is part of two reports or two studies. The, the first study was with these three companies in Papua New Guinea. They have workplace policies in place and they've recently trained teams of staff to respond to employees that are affected by violence. We'll be speaking to them again later this year to see how they're going. And then we'll be running the, the surveys and the interviews again in a year's time, in another year's time, to really 
get more fine-grained detail about the longer-term impacts of uh, such an initiative. What we're hoping to learn in our next rounds of research is, is more about uh, what's helpful, you know, where the strengths are, and to also look at the challenges and uh, put our minds to that and see what can be done in the future. I couldn't have you part of this sort of conversation and part of the podcast today without, I mean, you're sat in a pretty unique position, Shabnam. You are working for the IFC, looking at these very specific issues, but kind of seeing kind of, you know, the broader gender engagement piece. From your unique position, what do you see that's sort of coming down the pike? What's next for, the, for your space of work in the coming months or years? I think we have a great opportunity to look at drivers of violence more broadly. So we and, and many others have concentrated on gender as a driver for violence. And what we've found in our research in Papua New Guinea, in Solomon Islands, in PNG, is that half, about half of the people who are reporting violence are reporting it from an intimate partner. But there are people reporting family and sexual violence from other perpetrators. We'd like to get a bit more of an understanding of those drivers of violence. In the context that we work in, which are uh, fragile, conflict-affected states, many of which are are fragile and conflict-affected states, there are other drivers of violence. Often it can be religion, it can be ethnicity, it could be race. We want to see how those things intersect to, to drive violence so we can find answers. Clients have also been speaking to us about things like caste. People on the Indian subcontinent have been saying that what they notice is that violence is often targeted towards the most vulnerable uh, and that caste plays a big role. The other areas that we would like to look at are personal characteristics. Does age have an effect on vulnerability for violence or disability or sexual or gender orientation? So really to broaden our concern and to try and get some more answers on what's happening and and what we can do to uh, address violence. So I think that's one area and one opportunity to expand our focus. The second area is really about building on the benefits of addressing violence within the workplace. We've started looking at the benefits for employees and also for the business, but we'd like to expand our scope and see if there's any spillover effects into the community. Our theory is that the major employer in in town and if that employer is taking steps to increase respect at the workplace to support their employees, we believe that there's likely to be a spillover effect into the community that the private sector can really lead on our changing attitudes and that in turn will have will result in a change in behaviour. We're planning some longitudinal research, so research that we'll conduct over a number of years uh, to see if that's the case. So yeah, we're very excited about those two pieces of work. Oh, I should think so. And I will put the links to the work that you're, you're doing, the research that you've just released. And I suspect if anybody wants to potentially sort of get involved or, or find out more, Shabnam, hopefully we'll be able to sort of connect them through too. 
with you or the team. Um, Shabna, my final question for you today really is if somebody's listening to this conversation today and wants to find out more or is trying to address GBV within their workplaces or similar issues, what should they do? What's your advice to them? My advice is there are things that you can do. Addressing this issue is really about taking small practical steps that can help uh, your employees and your business. Often I talk to people who really want to make a difference but don't know where to start. And addressing um, gender-based violence in the workplace has many parallels to things that employers already do. I gave you the sick leave analogy previously in, in terms of, you know, how to support staff. There are other frameworks that people already use that can be applied to gender-based violence that's very helpful. We're more than happy to share what we've learned and that link that you're putting through will allow people to look at not only our research, but also case studies and other tools uh, that people can use to address gender-based violence in their workplace. Well, Shadnam Hamid, thank you very much for giving us your time so generously today and for sharing that important research that you've been working on. Thanks so much, Katie. It's been a real pleasure. Always, always a pleasure to talk to you, Shadnam. Thank you. And if you like what you've heard today, please do rate and subscribe to us. I would also love to hear your feedback. So please do drop me a line at any time. I'm Katie at businessfightspoverty.org. Many thanks. Brought to you by Business Fights Poverty. 